Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big Tech's ordinance has everything from complete firearms to OEM and aftermarket parts. If you're looking to put together your first AR-15, they have everything from those parts that you need to the tools that are going to be essential. If you're looking for suppressors, night vision, handheld lights, weapon lights, sights or optics, you name it, Big Techs has it all. Not only that, they're offering all those brands that we like. Go visit them at BigTechsOrdinance.com. Overwatch Precision is a team of civilians and combat veterans based in Phoenix, Arizona, that employ industry-leading production methods, coatings, and materials in their striker-fired polymer framed pistol trigger systems. With an internal engineering team focused on thoughtful design, Overwatch's flat-faced and curved triggers safely deliver a mechanical advantage to your carry or duty Glock, Walther, CZ, P10, and Smith & Wesson MMP 2.0 with improved function and increased accuracy. See more at overwatchprecision.com. Filster makes awesome holsters. But not only that, they also happen to be one of those companies that are trendsetters. A lot of their designs are emulated by other companies. Not only does Filster make those holsters, but they also provide concealment systems like the Enigma, the Flex. They also have a lot of solutions when it comes to concealment solutions for medical. If you need to have a concealment first aid kit, they happen to sell them. Check them out at filsterholster.com. Primary Arms Government recently showed off a new giveaway, which features a new Daniel Defense M4 V7 rifle, complete with GLX 1-6 power first focal plane rifle scope, PLX mount, and more. These monthly giveaways are only open to first responders and members of the military, so there's way less competition for the big prize. Entry is also completely free with no purchase necessary, ever. So if you want to have a chance to win, just visit primaryarms.com government and hit the giveaway button at the top. Walther is the performance leader in the firearms industry, renowned throughout the world for its innovation since Carl Walther and his son Fritz created the first blowback semi-automatic pistol in 1908. Today, the innovative spirit builds off the invention of the concealed carry gun with the PPK series by creating the PPQ, PPS, and the Q5 match steel frame series. Military, police, and other government security groups in every country of the world have relied on the high-quality craftsmanship and rugged durability of Walther products. Walther continues its long tradition of technical expertise and innovation in the design and production of firearms. For more information, visit WalterArms.com. The old Chuck story about you know, everything in law enforcement, 90 to 100 percent is cowardice. Yeah. And that all goes back to, you know. Just having the courage to do the right thing. Yeah. And it's it's really it's funny to dismiss that, but it's so true unless you've seen it and been there. Ah, no, that's courage. Now, that's that's for that's for going to the calls. Yeah, I'm plenty courageous. Yeah. Do you have the courage to talk to your guys? You have courage to make the decisions. Well, and, and be wrong 
and yeah. accept the fact that you were wrong and admit that you were wrong. And those are all courage things. And if you, yeah. um, it's never brought up, but in, you know, in our normal leadership stuff, but if you read Brene Brown and some of her work, she talks about, it's, it's all about shame and whatever, but it really all, I'm listening to that and it's all coming down to courage again. Yeah. It's all coming down to the courage to accept things that suck and accept that you're not perfect and admit it and live with it. And life is so much easier. Yeah. Leadership is so much easier. Yeah. More, and also, much easier. what was that? What was the last one? Morale is so much easier. To it manage. is. It is. And then also and standing up for your troops. That takes courage. So yeah, your, your superior is telling you one thing and you and it doesn't quite work. Do you stand yeah. up to them or do you roll over and take it? Well, I can tell you what I've done. It. <laughs> it's really painful mm -hmm. to do the right thing when you, you, people don't think it is the right thing. But uh, I've been told a couple times that, uh, well, you just not everybody can live up to your standards. And I'm that annoys me so bad. I can't stand it. My standards of of morals. I mean, are you are you actually telling me that you're not as moral of a person as I am, or you don't have the same integrity that I have? Are you actually saying that out loud? That's not courage. That's audacity, and there is a difference. So, like what? Oh, uh, that. Well, kind of what we've already talked about. That you have to take your lumps and say, "Yep, I was wrong," yeah. or "No." that guy was not wrong. He was right. And you're not doing this. We've had, I'd love to give you some examples and it'll, it'll all be in the book someday. That's <laughs> right. tired. I don't have anything to pay for it, but uh, you know, there's so many examples of just, it's not that hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, bowing down to political pressure or to just, you know, we have to follow the book a hundred percent of the time. And we really don't. The book can't cover everything. Policies can't cover everything. Uh, one thing I'm really proud of is recently we had a we had one of our officers who had to we there's uh, it's all, it's in the news so I'll tell you what's in the what's in the paper only I can't disclose anything else of course yeah but yeah. this guy is up on a closed down uh, wheat grain uh, elevator mm -hmm. and it's 140 180 feet up in the air he goes all the way up to the tip top where there's no railing. And it's slanted. The roof is collapsing, and it's about a twelve by twelve area. He's up there hanging himself on a chain, and uh, one of our Purposely? guys had to run up there. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was going to jump off, and so we got the call that he was, you know, going to hurt himself and do whatever. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm covering just what's in the story, what's out already out in the public. Yeah, it's, it's a public thing already. And one of our guys had to take off his gear, his vest. Everything because the hole to get up there was this big. I mean, this really fit guy, thankfully, that was on duty that day and was able to get up there and get the guy off the chain, literally, and uh, hold him there until we could get help up to him, which our fire department, thankfully, was able to come in. They got a search and rescue. They came up and helped him, but you know he violated multiple, technically multiple policies to save that guy's life. But nobody even considered it i was thinking in the back of my mind yeah. my experience that i've had in the in the with our previous department i was thinking in the back of my mind oh we're gonna have to fight something on this nobody even brought it up mm. nobody said a word about it because he it, it was there was no choice about it you know he had to do the he could have sat there and let the guy die or he could have gone up and done the right thing by but he left his gun his handcuffs everything else he had to leave in order to get up there 
And so, like I say, the, the book doesn't always matter. Sometimes you got to be stronger than, than what's in black and white and white. And we've seen that before. I've had to have multiple conversations like, no, this, yeah, the guy didn't go do this thing he was supposed to do, but his, you know, literally his wife was dying. So do we care? <laughs> Is this, we, do we really have to have a discussion yeah. about that? Yeah. So, well, you know, it seems, and, and it seems like there are some people that are policy is black and white one zero yes no this is where it is where there are other aspects where you know what we don't want policy like that exactly. we could we could have the spirit we could have a guideline but hard and fast yeah a lot it's, of times there's too many human stuff involved exactly and it's too difficult to, involved. yeah not that eric knows anything about that about what nothing human stuff or so and one of the things we were talking about you shaved your head yeah (laughs) didn't you i'm doing it's the john fetterman look run for senator so yeah but you're speaking the core of the sentences the core of the discussion is talking about morale and one aspect we were talking about is uh strength of character courage that kind of stuff and then also how sometimes policy can intervene and create an issue. And so Warren gave an example of someone saving an officer, saving another's life, but he technically broke policy to be able to do that. And the, yeah, the, the impact that has on morale, if you go after the dude for the policy or do that for the policy violation, right. Rather than looking at what they did, um, it, that that that's going to be a huge negative impact. One of the problems I think that we forget is that policies are guidelines. They're not the three tablets or two tablets, depending on whether or not you watch history of the world part one that came down off the mountain. Right? Three, three, <laughs> two, two. Yes, exactly. That one. Anybody um, watch that. Anything Mel Brooks. Yeah. Oh, anything Mel Brooks can't be made today. That's true. But if you hammer folks, you know, over over that where I was, I'm sorry, where I was going before I got into the Mel Brooks thing was policies are supposed to be guidelines, right? Like, were you doing the right thing? Yes, no. Okay. Do we need to address the policy? Is there a need for a one-time exemption? Is there, okay, look, technically, yes, it's a violation, but the outcome was there, right? It guy I worked with for years on patrol um, who, who was a peer. We were, we were sergeants together at the same time as well. And he was in a meeting with his supervisor and manager for the unit. He was the organization the unit he was in at the time. And some things were being said that were a major violation of the department's mission statement. Like you could sit there and listen to each sentence that came out of this manager's mouth. And it violated a different line on the mission statement. And finally, my coworker, who's still working, so I won't even use his first name, goes over to the what wall. his last name? You'll use that. Yeah, I use his last name. Um, goes over to the wall, grabs the mission statement off the wall, puts it on the table, and skids it to the manager and goes, maybe you need to reread this. That's now, caused, caused him a little bit of drama, but like, hey, mad, mad props for doing it because it made the point. Because uh-huh. ultimately, what is our job? Right. Do the right thing. Yeah. Yep. And in the current environment, where a lot of the worker bees 
right? And I, I don't know if that's just deputies, officers, and troopers, or if that's add sergeants to the list, depending on where you're at. Where the frustration comes from is administrators who will who will hold people accountable all day long for violating this, that, or the other thing, but they themselves won't stand up for the organization, won't stand up for their people, or are the cause of most of the drama. Yep. You know, through this, this we're a click and, and it's going to be our way or the highway. You know, and then you start you start hearing from folks that these two, three, 12 people, depending on the size of the organization, are the cause of the morale issues. That if you look at their decisions, their decisions are driving this. And then lo and behold, you start seeing hostile work environments complaints being filed. And they're not being filed against peers. They're being filed against lieutenants, captains, and admirals. Did you, did you read my uh, Munchausen management article from a couple of years ago? I might I have. To, uh, Matt, if you don't mind, I, I would. When this comes out, I'll post it in the comments. That that works. It's, that works very much. Works. A a Cloward Piven kind of a thing. Uh, done a lot of research on it, and there are some folks out there that absolutely have gotten rewarded for stirring up stuff and then coming in and solving it. And you'll know about the cop who gets the imaginary foot pursuit, or you know the yeah the prototypical firefighter who starts fires. That goes on higher up too, and I've seen it so many times. Folks will start trouble so they can quell the fire and be the hero, and they get promoted over and over again until I've seen very high up folks mm-hmm. doing that very same thing, and they had to have that drama constantly. If everything was going cool, you knew he was going to start something. Well, that reminds me of people creating, and just like that uh, – they have to create forms to document, hey, I'm working. I'm, I keep my job. I need to keep my job. Here's justification for me to be here. That's not even needed. Here's the form. This is showing that I'm actually doing something. Okay. Not that that happens ever. Yeah. <laughs> or what happens when somebody creates a form <laughs> to address a specific need and the admiral decides that, well, I can't give that to you credit for the form, so I'm going to put the boxes on the other side of the words and call it my form. That doesn't happen. I, I did, in fact, see that happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That's the episode on narcissism we're going to talk about yeah. here in a couple of weeks. I'm mm. Batman. So are we live? Are we live in the episode, or is this still the pre-show? Yeah. No, okay. I think this is this is. I I really like what we're where we're going with this so far. This has been good. Um, so in your guys's opinion, okay. So how would you define? Because I don't know if we're going to have any more people. How do you guys define morale then? For those who are listening and they're like moral, what? There's an yeah. e at the end. Morale. Moral with an e. Okay, so I don't I don't know what the dictionary definition is, but I would say it's the psychological state of an organization Mm. and it's and its employees. There and the attitudes towards the the work, the job, the mission, because that that kind of takes out the the community side of it. Right. It's. 
I mean, the community is a part of it, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about morale. So my background coming from the military, coming from law enforcement, it's the organization and the people in it. That's what you're talking about morale-wise. Yeah. I mean, that can be a shift, right? Like the graveyard yeah. shift in their yeah. morale. It can be the whole department. It can be yeah. a division. Individual officer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, way to make me look an ass, Eric. <laughs> Say again? That's a tough act. Way to make me look an ass. A little tough act to follow there. Uh, I'm sorry there, really uh, sorry there, Captain. <laughs> See, Matt, 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 look at morale, right? You know, like, <laughs> like a retired sergeant, like, comes up with this reasonable idea. What does the captain have to say? Oh, you made me look like an ass. That's yeah. Right. yeah exactly. There's my morale, Warren. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm going to so send you a form to fill out. <laughs> I'm going to put some check boxes on it, too. But was that form was originally created by Eric? Yes. I didn't, I didn't I say who created the form originally. Send me that form so I can fix it. I'll make it fillable. <laughs> and then put my name on it. <laughs> so, no, yeah, that was great, man. Um, I was just going to say, boil it down to just letting your folks be happy at work. It's okay to have fun with this job. It is a fun job in a lot of aspects. And there's so much negativity. We don't need to add any more to it. Uh, one of the things that I did on my captain's test, was I, I told the uh, our, our civilian oversight, basically, group, it's called the Police Civil Service Commission. I said, the one thing that I want to do is to make the make the guys get, uh, spend their energy on the public more and less in the department and making me happy. So that's going to come from taking off stupid things they have to do, like our time cards. They have to sign our time cards, which is a, a cardboard thing. It's not like you can't make a mistake, like make a copy of it. You have to sign this thing five times, three times in the front, twice on the back. I know the look on your face tells me everything I need, need to know. Uh, I, I, I haven't those... done actual tactile hold in your hand time cards yeah. in yeah. I, I, 15, 20 years. I, I don't know, but okay. We had to do that. At one point we were having to do that. We were having to do an electronic, an electronic clock in. We were having to do this telestaff thing and make sure we were in the computer. So there's seven different ways. You, at, at some point, there's seven different ways to make sure this guy's at work and X and O sheets. So we've gone a little bit. We've gotten rid of some of the electronic stuff. We've gotten rid of the X and O's like X. He's here. Oh, he's off. V is on vacation. S he's on sick leave. P is on personal. And nobody ever looked at it. So about a year ago with this new chief, we, we said, hey, why are we doing this? 
And it was one of those, yeah, that's a good question. I know the answer. You know what the answer is, don't you? We've always done it. Because we always had. And we're like, what is the use this thing does? We're, we're cutting those things out a little bit, but it is, it's hard. You know, it's hard to get rid of all the, all the old fashioned stuff. But anyway, that was kind of where I was going was just let the folks spend their, spend their energy on the public, not on me. Yeah. I don't need you to make yeah. me happy. I need you to yeah. do cool things for the public. And that has helped tremendously. Just little stuff like that. Cause that's what they want to do. That's what they get this job for. They don't get this job to do 10 forms. Wait a minute. So what you're saying is. Cops should be doing their job. Service. Okay. Just, and then reward that a pizza party. And we don't have that. We don't have to worry about that because the public does it for us all the time. That's right. That's right. We work in one of those departments where we got donuts this morning. We had pizza yesterday. And, and my, that was a joke, by the way, for, for the slow listeners. No one was a pizza party. Pizza party. Unless we were in fifth grade. I mean, it's a shift thing, right? It's not like See, now that's different. throwing it, but it's like the dude who showed up late last week. All right, bro. Two pepperoni and black olive briefing tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's cool. That's fun. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things we brought up to our, to our sergeants is this guy's a problem. What, what, what are you guys doing about it? And we're like, what are you doing about it? You're the yeah. patrol sergeant. This guy's a problem. What are you doing about it? Isn't that your job? Do you really want us involved? Or do you want to handle it? And there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with you know tying a knot in somebody's ass verbally yep. when they do something wrong and not necessarily documenting at that time. Maybe that's all it takes. Well, the problem with that though is that's get that's dangerously close to old school policing, which is effective. And yeah, yeah. Well, well maybe and there has to there has to be some backing too for the sergeants when they do that and not undercutting supervisors because you want to you want to trash supervisor morale uh, undercut them when they're trying to solve problems oh yeah um i i, I don't know how far we're going to go but i know one thing i'm seeing or i've been seeing for years is the lack of fun in the job hmm. and i'm going to use an example that I, i've seen come up several times over the last few months and i remember when it happened in my old org challenge coins yeah all right so we had one of our guys really hard working he and his and his two beat partners were going out and tearing it up legally they were making great cases they were using technology like nobody else in law enforcement at least not locally was using it they were doing various social media platforms to make cases on them Everything was legal. Nothing needed search warrants. Great. So they eventually came up with a set of challenge coins. Hmm. One for like the proactive working deputies and one for the guys that were retired on duty. Well, somehow this got out, got out, got out to people and they got butt hurt and pissy about it. And the admin starts an IA over who designed these coins. What was the purpose behind them and everything else? And it's like, Why? Because somebody got offended. Why don't you tell the dude who got the you're retired on duty coin, like go out and work and earn the big one. And now after, you know, COVID, the year long riots and everything else, agencies were doing challenge coins and That's somebody cool. out and somebody out there gets butt hurt over the challenge coin for the 2020 riots. 
and all of a sudden it's an IA guys are getting disciplined, you know, somewhere between an actual like written counseling or far worse, the chiefs throwing the dudes under the bus or the admins throwing the dudes and dudettes under the bus. And nobody's like, hold on. This is what my people have been dealing with. They did this for camaraderie, morale, everything else. You know, I get it. If it says something stupid that, that falls into the race line, you know, yeah. but if it's not, why aren't we standing? Why aren't we, and this is a profession standing up for our people. Yeah. You know, um, I've seen people, I've seen news articles bitching about the Hemingway t-shirts with the Hemingway quote on them. You know, there's no hunting like the hunting of man. And once you have hunted man, you know, nothing else. I can't remember the exact way it ends, but nothing else is the same on shirts for like fugitive teams or warrant teams. And next thing you know, the media saw one, and now it's a huge big deal because oh, look at look at that quote. They're talking about hunting people. Yeah, that's what cops have been talking about doing to bad guys for millennia. Only now, you know, we're going after them for this thing. And slowly, there's not slowly, it's it's been on a full roll. There's a lack of fun in the job for a lot of yeah. people. You, you, you can't have fun. You know, or God forbid, if you're trying to have it and the wrong folks become aware of it. Well, yeah, then also like in the form of humor and yeah, and shenanigans a little bit to to an extent, but not. Yeah, you know, we all know the line. Yep. And if you come in and the guys are in the in the report room and they're having a ball and they're gigging each other and legally, <laughs> don't even go illegally, ethically. I walked yeah. by there. I walked in yeah. today and they're and. Some of these kids, absolutely, I, I'm sure they just love me. Well, I walked in today on the way out and said, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they said, oh, we were talking about you. You should probably go now. And I'm like, okay, they, they, they do love me because they just gave me a hard time. So I've left them and let them go. You know, let them have a ball. It's, it's yeah. not, not an easy gig. They need that decompression. They need to have fun. This is There's enough bad stuff going on. You know, the highs should be high. The lows have to be low. But the highs can be high too. But, but that you have a, and it pains me to say this, Warren, because it's a compliment, but that you have an administrator who's even walking around and checking in legitimately, not doing the, oh, it's two o'clock. That management book says I have to walk around the building now. All right. But that you're walking, but you know, that you're walking through, interacting with the people, taking the time to talk to them. That's good. That's needed. Yeah. Our chief does that. He he goes down and and he's not he's not he's like he's new. I mean, he's only been the chief for a year, but he's getting on forty years on. And he goes down and talks to. Yeah. He goes down and sits in the patrol room and talks to the kids more than I do. Um, I I get to interact with them because I teach them classes and have them teach and and coordinate some things like that. But he goes down there and just talks to them, and that's it, so important. It is amazing how effective that is, and appreciated. Just humanize. We can't be behind these walls. And, and the way our department was built, it was it's a beautiful place. But the way it's built is we're in this little horseshoe, all the captains. But the lieutenants and everybody else are kind of in their little area. But we're all in this area. And that's important for a reason. But we also got to remember the, that door opens. Just <laughs> yeah. go out there. So... 
are there, to the best of your knowledge and your experience, are there ways to manage that up to encourage that? Because managing up is one of those concepts that was fairly new to me. My wife's like, yeah, you need to work on that skill. Okay. Leading up the chain. I'll tell you the way I've done it has been wrong almost every time mm-hmm. <laughs> until, until I took the escalation and uh, for science leading up the chain uh, in the wrong way can lead to undesired transfers, uh, unpaid leave, that kind of thing, because people don't like being told they're stupid for some reason. So yeah, you got to be kind of smart about it, but leading up the chain is important. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the leadership class one time when I got this lieutenant that works under me and a sergeant. That's my entire full-time chain of command. Otherwise, I've got all these instructors that kind of work here and there, but they don't directly work for me. So he came in and said, hey, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you kind of did this thing last week. And I said, why didn't you stop me? And he says, you're the captain. I'm like, you failed. That is a failure on your part. You're supposed to stop me. And he said, that's not how it works. That's exactly how it works. And so we're real big on, uh, on um, we're trying to implement, it's gonna be hard. It's probably not gonna happen until we're all gone. The, um, the culture of leading up the chain and extreme ownership and all, all everything that goes into that book. And we failed many, many times. We're in the middle of failure right now, I think. But it is so important that if, imagine working in a place where everybody helps each other out no matter what, and nobody ever lets anybody else fail no matter what the rank is, no matter what's going on. So what you don't let your boss fail and your boss is like, oh, cool. Yeah, you caught that. Cool. I'm not going to get offended by it. I'm going to say, yes, you're right. You caught me. I get it. Or no, I've listened to you. I just, I, don't, I disagree. Then it's my job to back him up as best I can within my you know, ethical boundaries. But imagine working in a place like that. That would be good. Yeah, I had I had a former uh, the detective sergeant I worked for on those investigations. That was one thing later on he reached out to me about, like, as I was starting to as I would been a field training officer for a couple of years and was still doing a lot of the training. It was very much like you need to learn to manage upward, whether you promote or not, you need to learn to manage your boss. And it was like, OK, and he started giving me some examples and I'm like, yeah, there's there's some possibilities there. Sometimes a lot of it at least seems to be just learning to encourage them or being willing to encourage them. Like, hey, what about this? Can we try that? Maybe this other thing over here. Uh, one that I, I kept trying to do and it, I wasn't successful on it was when I was a baby cop, our patrol captains and assistant sheriff would all come out and ride. Now, some of them would leave all the gold braid and, you know, bars and stars and everything else on, but others would just would pull it off the uniform and come out and ride for a shift every couple of months. Now they were, I don't even think they were there as a backup officer. They were in the car, but by doing that frequently in an agency, the size of mine is spread out as we were, they were seen. And once they started getting seen out there, the guys wouldn't relax the first time, the second time, third time, fourth time. Yeah. You started seeing some relaxation and seeing some things being communicated that needed to be shared. You know, and and we tried to do it, tried to push for it later on. And there was just, there was no interest in it, but it was something that worked early on. If you want to learn how to lean up, lead up the chain, you need to learn how to lead. Yep. 
it, it's exactly the same thing. It's, it's, uh, I would never talk to my guys the way I talked to our former chief a couple times. I would never do that. So why did I do that? It didn't work. Obviously. <laughs> and, uh, cause you know, I'd let emotion lead mm-hmm. my thought pattern, but I would never have talked to my guys like that or challenged them in that way. I would have done, you know, use tactics. I would have said, Hey, you know, what do you think about that? Why are you, why are we making that decision? Can you explain that to me? That's the way I talked to my guys. So why did I talk to the chief in a different way? Cause I was mad and I wanted to confront him and I was letting my emotions lead it. So it's really the same exact thing. It's just psychology. It's body language. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just being humble and wanting what's best for the team. And then there's a lot of times when I didn't get what I needed for my guys because I wasn't leading up the chain properly. I was making it about me and by God, I'm going to stand up to you. And, you know, I'll, like we were talking about courage earlier, I mistook that for bravado. I mistook, you know, I made the mistake of, of said, you know, letting bravado take over for when I should have been courageous and would have been more courageous is shut up and be humble and get what you need done. So. Oh yeah. I can think of a few times I charged windmills in my career that I would have been better off not doing it. And it, and it wasn't for me. It was for the people that worked for me or worked around me. And that's the hardest thing when you got guys that work for you that are doing a great job. And then somebody else has interfered with that or, done something that, that has screwed that up and you work so hard to get those guys doing those things and to make them understand they're appreciated and they're doing a good job. And then somebody else comes in and stirs it up and screws it up. Man, that gets you going. That gets you stirred yeah. up. Protecting yeah. your folks. But it doesn't make it better. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Sometimes you just, all you can do is fall on the sword. Okay, I was wrong. Go t- Go talk to your subordinate and go... Well, I tried. <laughs> I might have done you more damage than, than I intended to, but you're still going to have to deal with it. And I'm thinking of one real clearly that fortunately, the lieutenant I was working, oh, he's captain then. He understood where I was coming from. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so there wasn't a long-term cost, but I didn't manage up well on that one. It's so, amazing how easy it is to lead your folks under you, but how hard it is to lead up when you, it's the same exact thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. No. So it sounds like also an aspect of this is to, is with your attitude with the way you're presenting information, not only is the content 
does that need to pass? Be good, but your attitude about it has to be acceptable and non-confrontational potentially, if I understand correctly. What's what's the line? It's not what you said. It's how you said it, or it's not what you did. It's how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that applies in customer service, then that applies to us talking to our subordinates. Now that I'm being forced to think about it, I'm pretty sure it applies to the people above us. Yeah. yeah. And then so that's a minefield by itself because we have all types of leaders and all kinds of managers. Mm-hmm. They're not all leaders. And depending on them, we're, we need to tailor it to them. We can't just have yeah. some universal. And it's not just line officers and deputies or FTOs, sergeants, et cetera. It's your employees association people too. Um, I've seen association presidents and VPs who everything was going to be a fight. If they had to talk to the admin, it was going to be a fight rather than hold on, take a deep breath. You, you're representing 250, 300 cops. Um, let's think about how we're going to have this meeting. Yeah. The, uh, the, the president of the national FOP, uh, I can't think of his name now, Lloyd. I can't think of his first name, but he was the president of the national FOP and the OKC uh, FOP for for years and years and years. He's been around for I think he's probably eighty now. He had a leadership conference deal one time with us and kind of a just off the cuff. And we literally a bunch of us forty year olds. We sat on the floor and he put on his presentation for us. And the one thing that he said was, "You know, I really stuck it to the boss many many times, but I never got shit from my guys." And then I started getting smart. And started having conversations, and then next thing you know, I'm getting the stuff for the guys because I'm making the chief understand that he's on he's on board. So yeah, leading up the chain is huge, huge, if you will. Yep. Makes sense, but I don't think anyone. I don't. I don't hear that discussion very often. Where'd the participants go? The participants. Not that bad. Well, the attendees. Ah, uh, now they all left. They lost two. Okay. Yeah. God warned. Was I that boring? Yes. I thought okay. it was. Oh, wait, I, I said that wrong. No, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. It's definitely not you. So, so what are off the top of your head? What are some of the ways you can increase morale? Not only as as someone that can create some change but maybe as someone who's on, on the line or a line officer, I should say, they're yeah. not on the line. We had an elected head of the agency who said morale was not his responsibility. It was the responsibility of the individual employee. I don't necessarily think that was the best answer because that one still gets thrown around every so often. Um, when I went through a week-long PTS retreat. One of the things that got discussed was they show it, show it, it's a donut of control, right? And the, Is it a donut because it's cops? Well, I, I don't know if it's specific to cops, but I like it because like cops love donuts. So that's why it's in my PowerPoints for that stuff. Um, but the gist of it was the only thing you control is in the center, 
right? Where where you the are what? is the only the only thing that you control is the center. Oh, okay. Wait, okay. The empty the empty space. The, the empty There's space nothing in the middle. There. Yeah, but that's where you I are. I can control in, nothing. In this diagram, <laughs> that's where you are, right? Okay. And then there's the stuff you can influence. Yeah. So you worry about what you can control. Yeah. You, you oh, try to that in, right there. Yeah, you try to influence what you can, and then you have to accept that there's the rest of the box that just has like the sticky residue from the chocolate bar, and that's like the world. <laughs> that's an analogy, yes, Warren. Uh, I love it. <laughs> and you can't accept that you can't control anything about that, right? Yeah. So if you can get yourself, your peers or the folks that you work with, either way, to focus on what they can control, right? And then, you know, try to accept that there's some things they can influence, people they can influence. That's about as far as you can go. And you give them an environment that they can do that in, that they can work within. Hell, that's a, that's a step towards good mental health. Yeah. Just realizing, you know what? Just focus on the shit you can control. Everything else, if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Stop stressing. And it, it's a picture that I wish I would have seen about five and a half years before I saw it. You know, and I, I'm not going to say I succeed on it, but it makes a lot of sense. And it is a good reminder every time it pops up. I would say go go back to those universal human needs what do people need what do they want they want to have control don't their life right obviously i'm trying to think of maslow's hierarchy and i don't know if in the workplace all of that's acceptable no i'm not i'm not going with maslow because that's too (laughs) smart for me i can't memorize that one but i teach the de-escalation thing so i can i can kind of go back to that one uh you know people want to have control over the over their work and over their their own morale so how do you do that? Let them work. Leave them alone. Uh, try not to micromanage. That's hard, especially for high functioning folks. It's hard not. To, it's hard not to micromanage for high functioning people. And when you got high functioning people under you, the worst thing you can do is micromanage. Let them do. Let them do their work. So let them have some control over that, and let them understand that doing good things is going to get you good places. And we got to make sure we're paying attention to that. Um, our current admin, we are all about throwing. If we if we need to throw awards at people, we're going to throw awards at people, but we're going to make sure they meet the criteria. But a letter of recognition, that's free. Yep, that can yep. be for anything. That's that's absolutely free. Costs us nothing to do that, and we're encouraging our 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 guys down to the lowest level. Throw those around. We're not going to turn them down. If I mean they're if they're not absolutely ridiculous, we're not going to turn them down. We're going to go with it and we're going to get them done as soon as we can. Uh, what else? Um, people want to have a second chance mm-hmm. if they make a mistake because we're going to make mistakes, right? Do we make a big deal out of a small mistake? You know, look at the whole picture. Do we, you know, is, is it automatic? Does it have to be automatic? Like we were talking about with you know, the violations of policy. Sometimes this job is impossible to do perfectly. This job is impossible to do very well, actually. It's just impossible. So can we just overlook some small stuff and let the let the lower bosses handle that and let the folks yeah. have a second chance? Just basic leadership stuff and obviously golden rule. I mean, I will never ding somebody for something I did. I just won't. <laughs> I yeah. just won't. Yeah. I can't. 
I just can't. And I, I, of course, I didn't do anything so ter- so terrible that I can't live with that either. So what's what's always good is when somebody walks into your office and says, I need to close the door for a second and looks at you <laughs> and goes, you remember when you did that 10 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> one now, thing I would impossible. say. Yeah, one thing let I would say. Work. Kind of doubling up on what Warren was talking about procedural justice is something that a lot of places are pushing these days, right? People have to think that they have a voice. Well, I don't, I want to rephrase it. There are folks who believe that they have to have a voice in the interactions with law enforcement and that we're encouraging that and that they, they need to see that the system is fair. So law enforcement's pushing this procedural justice thing with our interactions with the community. Are we demonstrating it and practicing it inside the building? If you want your guys to go out, and when I say this, I'm talking dudes and dudettes, guys and gals, however it is. If you want them to go out and do that in the community, are they seeing it practiced on a regular basis inside the building? And, and that dovetails on Warren's thing about a second chance. Right? Not for the egregious stuff, not for doing things that everybody can look at it and go, well, that's wrong. Yeah, the, the lack of hypocrisy is probably. I mean, what does what does Chuck say? His uh, his modified motto is uh, "Be the lack of bullshit you want to see in the world." Yeah, and that's that is huge. That says so much. Th- those little things like that, and just walking the walk and doing the right thing. Then the worst thing we can do is we'll have um, we have some admin that's not required to go out and do night shoot or something. But those guys that go out and do the night shoot, like I have to because I'm teaching it, but those guys that come out and do the night shoot, the captains and the lieutenants and whatever, that means something. Uh, the, the ones that are, you know, the folks that aren't that aren't going out and, you know, doing the stuff they keep telling people not to do. Yeah. Or, or that didn't do it in the past because you could do something as a patrolman or a sergeant and now you're a captain, you're digging somebody for it. Man, that ain't going to work. You, you're, you've lost all integrity. Because there's a dude in patrol that was your shift mate that, mm-hmm. that knows where that body is buried. And there are no secrets. We have a, we have a hundred spots and we have currently like 75 folks that are working for us and about 30 civilians. That ain't no secrets. Yeah. So why is it so easy for agencies to, or administrators, management, to focus on so much of the negative, but not enough of the positive. Volume. Because there's so much more negative? Or there's... No, and I, the, the volume gets louder over what's perceived to be negative. And you've got 2% of your population, whatever your population is, 2%, right? Even at 1%. It's never 1% that's in your parking lot. It's not even it's not even three quarters of a percent that's in your parking lot, but yet that's who gets the attention, right? It's the folks in the parking lot being loud. And I hate to admit that I've ever read police chief magazine for my ACP, but I got pointed onto a couple of their legal column, their legal advisor columns at one point. And they wrote a column about discipline and the, 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 the gist of the column was 
you base your discipline decisions on what the employee actually did, not what the mob in front of your building is, is yelling about. Don't care what, I'm not saying we don't care about what the public thinks about an event, right? But the uninformed opinion of people who can't even point to Graham versus Connor or Terry versus Ohio or Tennessee versus Garner, pick a case law decision. Their uninformed opinion screamed long and loud out in front of the organization should not derail policy training tactics and everything else. And if the employee didn't screw up, don't listen to the mob. Don't base your decisions on the mob. And I'll point to Darren Wilson as an example of this, right? When you read everything from the St. Louis County attorney and from USDOJ, Darren Wilson did absolutely nothing wrong. But the mob drove that dude out of law enforcement and his chief didn't help. Yep. This. Yeah. Right. Um, so I use that, <laughs> that column. Um to support a position where if discipline is one side of the personnel coin promotions, the promotion and awards are the other. And, and you don't base your decisions about promoting people or rewarding people based on the mob outside the front door. Right. So you, you don't go off of what the mob says either way. You go off of what actually happened, what the organization standards are, what the legal standards are. Yeah, and I, I, I think it comes back to courage, believe it or not. Yep. That uh, it's easy if an officer gets a DUI or does something that's an obvious violation of policy or whatever, that's easy. You don't have any choice in the matter. You don't have to make a decision. You don't have to work at it. It's automatic. You know what you know what it, it is, what it is. When it comes to positive discipline, it's it takes work. I have to go in and look at the policy and say, yeah, this guy that this guy gets, we, we've had one medal of valor given out. And I'm, I'm kind of excited about that because we don't want to give those out for free. It needs to be a big deal. Yeah. And it's written very narrowly where you can't do anything stupid, but you have to be something that you didn't have to do, but you did it anyway, but it didn't violate policy and all this kind of stuff. Th that's difficult and even just commendations commendation for us means you get a you get an extra day off for free you get a paid day off um life-saving awards we've got six of them piling up on our desk right now because we can't get the damn awards <laughs> we can't get the pins <laughs> because of and you know that's a good thing so and it's also hard to get people on board i started our awards thing it was already in the policy but i actually started it in 2000 four or five when I first made sergeant at, at my current department. And I had so much trouble getting people to cooperate with me and tell me, I have to know if somebody gets a commendation, because if you get three commendations, we have three officers that have been killed in the line of duty. And if you get three commendations, you're named after the most recent one. If you get six commendations, you get a, another award based on the one that was in the middle. And then the, the very top level, if you get nine commendations over your career, you get this award named after the officer who was killed at the very first, um, at the very first officer ever killed in the line of duty. You get those awards. Those are a big deal to those mm -hmm. guys. But if you don't know about it, you don't know. So getting people on board, it was the culture yeah. that was broken. And and now it's getting better. We're, we're doing a better job with it, but it's it takes courage and it takes the fact of being able to stand up and say, hey, we need to do these things. And we have to spend a little bit of money on these $4 award pins. Sorry, sometimes we gotta buy the big $75 
ribbons. Yeah. It's, it, it means something. It's frustrating to sit on an awards committee and see events that you know about not being submitted. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's it's frustrating to see people's reactions. Well, why, why did that person get an award? Well, because what they did actually met the standard and they were nominated. You know? You guys didn't nominate your peers. Yep. We we on the panel. We had an officer of the quarter. Yeah. Yeah, we had an officer of the quarter, and I have I get maybe one or two, three nominations. Because we just we haven't normalized it yet. Yeah. We got to make it normal. And then unfortunately, when we have five or six of them, they're all really, really good. And you yeah. can't give it to everybody. Yeah. So we're we're saying, okay, hey, we're kicking them back and saying, hey, this guy did great stuff. This gal did great stuff. This other one did something even better. Make sure they get a letter of rec and maybe write them up for accommodation too. Yeah. Because they got that coming. And yep. you know, those aren't yep. exactly free, but giving somebody a day off is damn near free. It didn't cost us a whole lot. And have it quarterly. That sounds awesome. Officer and of now we got an employee quarter. of the quarter. Yeah. 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 We, we have an officer of the quarter. We actually have a civilian employee of the quarter. We call it employee of the quarter because civilian and that whole you know thing. But we're we've got thirty or thirty-five civilian employees that do amazing work for us too, and they deserve that too. It's yep. you know, their morale is important yep. too. Their internal service. We had a gal in records that she was nominated for I think a meritorious service award one of the years I was on the committee, and the folks in her peer group that were on the awards committee, there were one or two of them like, well, but, but she's been doing it longer than anybody else. Yeah. But Joan has probably put more people in state prison than half of the deputies in this department because she knew all those systems. And when you call her at two in the morning and you go, I got this, that, or the other thing. And she's like, give me a couple of minutes. And she calls you back and like, that's Flacco from this set. And his real name is this, that, or the other thing. And you're like, oh, you're still going back to the pen, right? <laughs> but she didn't do that once. That was like a couple times a week thing, right? But, you know, she had peers that were jealous. We got her the award. We got her got her the plaque and the recognition. But that was kind of one of those frustrating things. It's like, no, we're not attacking you. We're trying to recognize her and encourage stuff. And it's got to be consistent. It's got to yep. be consistent. Yep. I mean, the, the lack of negative discipline is is definitely a bad, is a terrible thing, because if somebody gets away with something and somebody else didn't, that's terrible. But yep. that consistency has to go to your positive discipline too. 
you've got to make sure that everybody's getting rewarded. And if a sergeant or a lieutenant or a captain or somebody misses somebody who deserve one, we got to mount that person and say, hey, that's bull. You got to yep. do your job. That's yep. part of your job. So it's a culture thing. And I think morale comes down to having a good or a bad culture because it is so much harder to create and maintain a good culture than it is. It's easy to have a crappy one. Yep. Well, I, for awards like this, to me, it sounds like it makes sense that it would, that it has to mean something because if it just, here's a piece of paper with your name on it, good job, whatever. But if it's actually earned, if there's a standard and Hey, you know what? You met this, you exceeded. This is whatever everyone's on board with this, but also a day off happens to go with it. Heck yeah. yeah. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Versus uh, here's recognition. We, your name was pulled out of a hat. Here's a plaque. Yeah. Who, no one cares. And they know, and they absolutely know. Oh yeah. Well, unless they're new. No, because they'll hear in briefing. They'll hear over coffee. They'll hear over a beer. And then they won't be new anymore because the ideal, the idealized part of it's gone. Uh, while we're talking about words, I got a, I got a question for you. This, this goes to a specific event, but I want to throw it out. You, you have an event involving multiple, uh, multiple deputies in this case. One was a victim. One did some really heroic stuff. One responded to it and one was a witness. Do they all get the same award? No. Yeah, I, I agree, but it's weird because you'll see places where, oh no, they were all there. They all get the same award. No, really? So yeah, the, like the victim would be like a purple heart. The 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 hero gets the here's your medal of special, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and yep. here not even a participatory thing for responding or being a the witness, witness for, for the witness dude yeah you know i was i was actually awake when it happened so i get something too <laughs> i guess that, that's the participation trophy genre or the oh. thinking of that you don't want to leave anybody out I... but if you do that it doesn't mean anything and and that mindset is definitely creeping in if it hasn't already um, it's, it's funny because we've had some really cool talks on the podcast. Hell, I should have, uh, I should have pinged, uh, Brian Eastridge. He would have been fun to have on this. Um, oh, yeah. he, he, he had some, he had some good, uh, input about some, some cop stuff and, uh, He's not retired yet though. So he can't say a whole lot. Yeah. But just the fact that some of the old, older ways of doing things, it was effective. It was good. Everyone left better than they than before with those methods. Nowadays, we're ever participation trophies. That garbage. That's not helping anyone. It might look good for the paper. Hey, yeah, here's a here's a picture of these. Not that the paper's a thing anymore. On the on Google on the, on the uh, internet. <laughs> Yeah. On the Googles. On the Googles. You see the picture of the officer, of the, the four officers in a row all getting a plaque. Yeah, participation awards. Good job. What, how, I'll tell is, you one other thing that we do that I don't want to I don't want to avoid. Um, we we hired this media guy. We hired our, our reformed reporter that was uh 
Crow Cop and was fair. So we ended up making this position for him to do the media stuff because all of us were like, stick us in front of a camera, we're, you know, mortified. And so we hired this guy to come do all that. Well, he also does some of our, he kind of took over some of our award stuff. And then he had this idea of doing a monthly newsletter. And that thing has gone over like gangbusters. And everybody who has a work anniversary or uh, did something cool, he's got these pictures. He takes our Facebook comments and he'll take out some of the really good ones and he'll put them in there and say, this is what folks are saying about you. I mean, that thing has been fantastic. And what a great idea. Yep. Because we were trying to get out of some work. <laughs> we wanted somebody to come do this, come do this thing for us that we sucked at. And then it turned into this great thing because one, one guy had this great idea. That's a wonderful thing for, for us to do. And, it, and it, guess what? It's free. Doesn't cost a thing. To me, one of the aspects of it that's so cool is that it's real. Yep. And it's organic. Yeah. It's organic. Yes. Brilliant. For a writer, that was very smart. I went to college <laughs> and had to learn how to use Grammarly to get my thesis done. <laughs> You're even worse than a writer. You're an editor, so that's even worse. Yeah, we had one. Well, he's still there. We we had one deputy we sent to remedial report writing school, and the counseling statement included: "You will subscribe to Grammarly, and you will run your reports through it." I yeah. understand he's gotten a lot better. <laughs> we we've had a couple of those that we had one guy that had the spell check thing in his pocket back in those days, uh -huh. in the OOS, where he'd have to like look up a word and it would tell him how to say it before we had word and all that. It happens. Not everybody's yep. gifted with you're the gifted with numbers or words. Well, that was one of the one of the basic things I told people that were having difficulty. Okay. First off, type your report in Word. Go through the editor, see what it has to say. If it wants you to remove contractions, do that. That's perfectly fine. Readability is kind of important. Then once it's done, once you're as close to 100% as you can for readability. Control A, Control C, go into the report writing software, Control V, hit submit. We're good. Yeah. Yep. Okay. How many, how, how many of our new employees know what Fleisch Kincaid reading level is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really fair because my kid in third grade, they were doing PowerPoint. And I was like, are they going to teach you Word first? And she said, Dad, that was last year. Wow. I'm like, PowerPoint in third grade? She started bringing home stuff in eighth and ninth grade. I was like, I, I, I don't have time to help you with this. Yeah. We got to hire somebody. Yep. Bad for my morale. <laughs> Bad for my morale. <laughs> Trying to stay on point. So far, though, yeah, this is this is good stuff. So far, it's not just going to go yeah. downhill. It's going to be crap. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a fine line because one incident can completely ruin everything. One bad decision from someone can can throw everything in the toilet. Well, at least mm -hmm. not necessarily long term, but definitely for a short term. Well, I know we were. I think one of the original topics for this was like, why are people leaving the profession? Yes. And I, I can think of an event in an organization where the organizational head 
was perceived as not standing up for the organization, for the employee. Yeah. Not just for a day or two, but for a few years. And watch that organization lose 10% of their patrol division to other agencies. Oh, yeah. And in a case where 10, 10% was double digits and they hadn't had people leave for other agencies, you know, and now all of a sudden you not only got people bailing going out of state, that's one thing, but when you have them bailing and going across the street to an agency that historically never, it, the, the traffic, the flow of people was the other, other way, that's a significant problem. You know, and, and you look and see it, at least, you know, with that one, there was a fair amount of damage done for many years by, by what was done and the perception of what was done. Yeah, the damage is immediate. And like, like Matt was saying, with one decision, one bad thing, we see it over and over again. One bad decision goes on for years, decades. But that can, be, that can be from the highest tier yeah. to the lowest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that can go on forever. I, mean, I still talk about stuff that happened 20 some odd years ago yeah. that made me mad because it's still it's still there. It's the damage is done and it's done forever. And they're, it's not things don't really heal. They just scar. Well, will Valde uh, ever heal? No, 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 nope, it will not. And but the good things you have to do them consistently perfect all the time or you lose that trust. And trust bank is a big part of it, I think. I think having trust means in your in your leadership that you're comfortable and you can focus on doing the good things if you if you're not comfortable and you're in self-defense mode you're not doing anything for the public you're worrying about taking care of yourself i mean i, I got a picture i put in my uh one of my uh, morale call one of my classes about morale and it's this lady who's being chased by an ostrich she's a, like obviously some kind of handler she's being chased around in a circle and like is she thinking about her kids right now is she thinking about the other ostriches or is she thinking about number one? And so when you're in self-defense mode, you, that's that's a morale killer. Yep. And so if you're always worried about your department trying to do you, you can't help the public. And that's a morale killer, too, because that's what these folks want to do. And especially, you know, the younger folks, we, 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 we squawk about them here and there. They're more, much more empathetic than we are. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they embrace. I mean. Eric, do you remember the long distance CPR that we used to talk about? Did you ever have that there, the long distance CPR? Where you're like, Whoosh. yeah. You know, these they embrace it. They love it. Yeah. They, you know, tourniquets were not not are not a sell for these kids. They want to do it. So I mean, there's there, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. And I think it's really just about leadership. Morale is up to the leadership. It is our fault when it's not good mm -hmm. collectively. Mm -hmm. And if there's five or six of us banging heads about it, then, and one of us fails, we all fail. Yep. At it. And so there's six of us in my department, and if morale's not good, it's our fault, period. So what is your guys' advice? And let's go, let's go for the, the line officer all the way to the highest echelon of law enforcement. What are your, and let's start with officer or deputy. What is your advice for morale? How do what are things to do to, to maintain a, within your control, uh, try to be a positive influence around people around you and keep yours reasonable. You don't want to be sickening because that's 
that can be negative as well. Eric. Well, I, I'm thinking, um, obviously it's, well, not obviously focus on what you can actually put your hands on, uh, what, what you can, can do, can impact focus on getting better at your job, right? Do, do you know, do you know what you need to know? Um, don't expect the department to do everything for you equipment wise, education wise, learning wise, right? Go take a class, maybe get a group of coworkers to take a class. And I can remember, um, caliber press isn't as in vogue as a street survival isn't as in vogue as it once was. Um, but the Vegas street survival thing Mm -hmm. or another couple day seminar somewhere outside of the area, right? Just get with some of your coworkers that you like being around or even barely tolerate and, and go to a, go to an overnight class, go to a two day class. Oh, those are the best. Right. And spend some time kind of work bonding, kind of not, but getting better at something um, and then pass that on. And then the other thing, we all know who the negative Nancy's and negative Ned's are. Don't go to coffee with that dude. Or, or if you got to go talk to go to coffee with him because he's your beat partner, talk, talk about the baseball game, the football game, the concert. And then, but once it turns into the bashing, I got to go check addresses. Yeah. Right. And, and not get sucked into that. Yeah. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, that was good. Making you look bad again. I know I should have gone first. Stupid sergeants are always doing that. So, yeah, all of that. And uh, I was really going to hammer on, you know, Johnny Raincloud. Yeah. And that whole, that negativity. And understand that you have control over what you feel about stuff. And it's going to sound real touchy-feely and whatever. But I, I, I was at one point, I was that guy. And I was just like, wine, wine, wine. I don't like this. I don't like that. And then I realized that I'm just making it worse. And you literally change your brain. You physically change your brain and how you accept things and how you deal with things when you just think about negative stuff all the time. So you've got to focus on the positive things and focus on what you can control. And if you're a cop, if you're a street cop out working, you can do some amazing stuff. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. Nothing else around you matters. You can do some cool stuff for people. And so focus on that and exactly what, what Eric was saying otherwise. Well, thank you, Warren. I appreciate that since I am an editor. That's one, 
I know. It's, that's why I was saying foreign editor. That was pretty good. <laughs> but and, and to reinforce part of this about the negative Nancy thing. So if there's a group together and there are two of them, what direction is the whole group going to go? Oh, the discussion gonna, just yep. in the toilet. So Warren. And it's default. Yeah. Sure. So what about as a an official or an unofficial leader in an agency. Oh. So we're not starting with Eric because he'll have all the answers. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Let him fill in. Fill what's, in the Chuck, gaps. what's Chuck's official? What's his, what does he call that? He has a, 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 a name for this. Oh yeah. And I really I'd like heard, it. I'd always heard his formal and informal, but I can't remember. That's what it what is. It. Yeah. Informal leader. Yeah, yeah. Informal leader. You always heard it from Chuck, probably. Well, uh, no, because well, it goes back to the military. I, I think where I first started seeing it was, yes, you've got your your team leaders, you've got your squad leaders, but you've also got the the the, the E four mafia, yeah, that quite frankly runs a lot more things than they get credit for. <laughs> and there you have, and this applies to law enforcement. So yeah, apparently I am stealing Warren's thunder. You no, got to. You got to get their buy-in. Yeah. If you're going to have this, this new policy thing, right. That we're going to go out and do whatever. And I don't care what it is. Take your pick that we haven't been doing. If, if you're the Lieutenant, if you're the Commodore, if you're the Admiral, you knew or know, or should know who those informal leaders are. The, the mid career to senior guys on a shift that for whatever reason, didn't promote catch them in the hallway. Better yet, go out when they're working and meet them for coffee and and give that proposal, that policy to them and let them ask all the questions. Let them get past the that stupid phase. Ask, Let them ask all the questions. Get their buy-in. Now, two days later, when you hit send on that email and everybody in briefings going, this is dumb and, whoa, unofficial former senior dude goes, Hey, let's think because they've already got the answers. They've already heard them. Right. They can, they can, they can sit down and have those conversations that you can't or won't have. And they can kind of push that stuff. Um, same thing. And we, this was a battle we fought as when I was on the, the association vice president was give us a heads up, tell us you're going to do it. Tell us why so that we can help explain it. Yeah. Right. Or we can tell you ahead of time, this is going to cause drama. So let's work it out before it goes public. Um, and listen to them. Yes, you have to. When your informal you leadership, yeah, when your informal leadership comes to you and says, boss, that's dumb. Stop what you're doing. Get off the computer. Hang up the phone. OK, talk to me. I'm not going to say I was always exactly. great at it. I had to learn it. Now it's hard to do whenever you're you're busy and you're doing such important things because you're in your office and whatever. It's hard. To, it's hard to let be here now concept of just okay, stop. Something is important. There's a tickle in the back of my neck. I need to listen to what's going on here. It's that same instinct you get whenever somebody's lying to you on the street, but yep. we poo poo it when we're sitting in our office and it's one of our cops doing it. Yep. So absolutely 100% that. And the the informal leaders are your FOP folks your FTOs, 
And we, we, this year we implemented a, you have to be certified to be an FTO. You have to go through a two day class that I put together and I did all the leadership stuff. All, I did a lot of leadership stuff and a whole bunch of teaching stuff. And it's mostly just talking about character and culture and how important those things are and how important it is that those folks are, you're going to be leaders now. And everything you say to that rookie is going to be solid gold or a bronze turd. Yep. You choose because it's going to be that forever for their entire career. You tell them, Hey, you can, or you can't do this. That is going to be gold to them. They're going to believe you hundred percent because they don't know any better. If you're wrong, you just screwed that kid up. If, if you're pouring garbage down their throat about how bad the administration is or how dumb this is or whatever, the administration is just like the police. It's the same stupid, you know, broad brush. They're going to believe that. So it's on you to make this culture as good as it can be. The FTOs are more important than even patrol sergeants, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So getting those folks buy-in, that is everything. And having meetings with them here and there is everything. It's everything. So, yeah, that's – dang, it's like two good things you said now. Well, it's like the the guys these the specific people that you're 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 uh, highlighting have ownership. Yeah, they have ownership with the yes. agency, and that's they want to have control. Yeah, but they also they, and they, at the same time they, they do, and they also want to see the agency and everyone succeed. Yep, and we can't say that about everyone involved in the process. No. And it's unfortunate when you have to release. Uh, I'm just thinking FTO stuff. When you have to release an FTO because they have forgotten that. And no matter how much, how much conversation you've had with them, you know, like, Hey, you're not, you're not a regular deputy anymore, right? You're not, you're not, you are a supervisor. You got that training in their car, but you're also a representative of the organization and you need to accept, follow and kind of pass on. I'm going to use the phrase party line because I can't think of a better one right now. Um, and then you get the, you find Mission. out you've got an FT. Yeah, thank you. You've got an FTO who's turned into the negative Ned. And now that FTO doing the negative Ned thing is having that long-term bronze turd impact that was mentioned. That's my good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> we, we had one towards the end of my career and the Lieutenant's like, I'm going to do this. No, it's not. That's not your job. Myself and the other FTO sergeant will go have that conversation because that is our job. And that's, that's kind of one of the other things too, is as, as a sergeant, you got to let your senior, your informal leadership and your FTOs do their thing. Lieutenants have to let the sergeants do their thing. Captains have to let lieutenants do their job. Right. Well, it's easy to say that. Yeah, it is. But you know, at some point that's where people have to go. Hey, boss, oh, absolutely. That's, absolutely. that's my job. That's my job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you want to do, but boss, that is my job to do that. I'll go take care of it. And it really is hard to do. Yeah. It very much is. I mean, we've all heard our, our parents' voices and words come out of our mouth at some point. And it's the same thing with, with the, the cycle of leadership we tend to just default to that stuff we were never going to do yep. and don't even realize you're doing it. And so it, it does take a lot of discipline to, to break out of that and to be introspective enough to know, okay, whoops, I just did that thing. Yeah. 
I will say I can look back at people I worked for in the military and people I worked for in my career. And if I had any success, it was because of the things they taught me knowing they were teaching it to me and the things they taught me not having a clue they were teaching it to me. Hmm. Right. Just oh, yeah. they were going about their day, their business, their way of doing stuff. And that had an impact, good or bad, but, but that had an impact. Right. And it wasn't like they had a lesson plan out, but it was just like, Ooh, I got to file that one away and do it or not do it. If I ever end up in that position. Well, and that also kind of goes to the idea that especially on FTO or even around new officers, they're always watching. Yep. And we need to do the best possible. Well, we should always be doing our best, but even more so to be that good example, because they're going to pick up on everything and they might pick up on something bad. And what does it take to train them out of that bad? Uh, yeah, more effort. Oh, you guys are firearms instructors. You know how that works. You make one, you make one mistake during a demo and that's the one they're going to remember us. You're going to see them doing it over and over again. Well, I, even, I, oh, I, I was going to say not even that. So I was trained pin the trigger in the Academy and it's still, still but there. and they're still teaching in the Academy here in Utah, but that's something that still comes up. And I'm, I, I actively have to fight against it. We get new officers and well, this is what we do. No, we don't stop doing that. This is, this is why I brought a bunch of double action uh, revolvers this week for a, for a classroom. Yeah. Hey, we're just going to do that and practice letting go of the trigger. Everyone loved it, but yeah. So going along that line, I, I don't think I've told this story on a modcast. Teaching a Gunsight 250 class, I don't know, four or five years ago. Had a student in the class and several students in the class, I don't know, 14, 15. And I'm teaching malfunction clearances. And usually when I teach malfunction clearances to brand new people, I will drop down onto, onto a double knee kneeling so they can look down and see what I'm doing while I'm doing the clearance. So they're not trying to figure it out. They got a better view of it. So hmm. you guys know I'm a left-hander, but not everybody does. So failure to fire, press the trigger, click, tap, roll, rack, come back up, bang. Demo it again, tap, roll, rack, come back up, bang. Get everybody up online, right? Empty chamber, slide forward on empty chamber, magazine in the gun. I watch one of the, got the line. All right, stand by, go. Click, I watch a student do this. <laughs> Bang. Yep. And I'm like, I didn't just see that, set it up again. Okay, both hands on the gun. Give me a pair to the chest. Click, gun changes to the left hand, tap, roll, rack, goes back to the right, two shots fired. I'm like, all right, talk to me. <laughs> That's what you did. It's because I'm a lefty. Well, right. Uh, no left. And I'd made that comment a bunch during the week that I, but that student didn't process it. Yeah. Right. That they just saw, oh, I shoot here, but I hold it here to do this. And that wasn't malicious. That wasn't negative. That was just a student doing exactly what I had showed him to do. Got it. Good Let's example. Learn. Yeah. So, so and you've tried you to do a righty since. Yeah. No, I still do it left-handed, okay. but I will jokingly tell that story. I, I don't throw, throw the student under the bus in any way, shape or form. Right. Cause quite no, frankly, I don't remember their name. Um, but it, I tell the story like, Hey, look, this is understand when I demo stuff, I'm a left-hander and here's an example of why. 
Why you're a lefty? No, why I'm telling you that I'm a left-hander. Nice, Matt. You see, we were taught to pin the trigger back, which is bad. You're choosing to be a left-hander. It's true. Wait a minute. Left hand isn't a choice. Pinning the trigger is. <laughs> you can and, and I was taught to pin the trigger, but I've 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 grown. I've evolved out of it. I don't want to hear about your alternative lifestyles. <laughs> <laughs> Since when is trigger pinning alternative? I'm talking, I'm talking about left handed. Fortunately, it's mainstream, isn't it? Uh, that's funny. And they used to take the left handers and they put them in a basket, put them in the river and just like try again. That's right. What's the other word but for left-handed? Sinister. Sinister. Is it sinister? It is sinister. <laughs> I, I've i got one of my good friends on the planet who very, sadly, we have very shared experiences. Um, every time I mention anything left-handed on the internet, especially on the Book of Faces, what pops up? Joe goes in and posts this cover of a book from 1903, Prevention of Left-Handedness in Your Children. Yes. <laughs> I believe my two-year-old is going to be. He doesn't say anything. He just posts that. He did say something, though, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but he doesn't type anything, right? It's, and then sometimes I'll get the phone call. Hey, bro. Oh, that's brilliant. See, we have good morale right now because we're making fun of somebody. Yes. Sometimes that's, that's what it takes. That really is. It really is. I, I always tell tell the new guys like if they're not making fun of you, yeah. that's when you should worry. You need if to go talk to you. Over... Exactly. Yeah, you you got a problem if they're not making you, fun of you. You need to go talk to somebody and not the sergeant. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you guys ready to shift gears just very, 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 very slightly? Sure. From morale to something Eric posted. What did I oh, post? No that I thought was interesting. Something about a shotgun and a method of reloading and people having an issue uh, with it. Oh, God. To me, if, if someone's presenting something to me and it's different from what I do, I go, huh, I want to try that. I want to see how it works. And if it winds up being better, I don't care where it came from. Right. So to, so to te- we, we can't talk about that because we're going to use this as an example of like trying to learn and get better, not necessarily just the running the gun aspect so i came up on the shotgun from guys like louis auerbuck bill jeans yep. scotty reitz strong hand stays on the grip of the gun support hand comes off the forearm does all the reloading right we we, we can talk about brass up brass down whatever that's not the point yeah. but that strong hand stays on the gun you look at competitors and you look at bird hunters and they run that gun completely opposite that support hand stays on the gun, rolls it this way, that way, whatever. Yep. Strong hand does all the loading because it's more dexterous. Yes. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. See the latest designs from your favorite brands, including Thermador, at your local Ferguson showroom. So, long conversations with, with Bulky over a couple years, and this probably started, I don't know, six, eight years ago, about trying to teach bird hunters how to run a shotgun defensively. 
it wasn't meant for it wasn't straight defensive shotgun stuff it was like you're trying to take the bird hunters who already know how to run a gun yeah. and get them to where they can fight with it and one of the things daryl pointed out was that you're going to need to adapt to their way of running the gun you can't drag them over to your way so i had started playing with working the gun working the reloads with the strong hand doing the reload, wherever that was coming from, the strong hand would do the reloads. And eventually that worked into within the last, I don't know, two, three years, myself starting to do the violin loads. And for those who aren't familiar with this, right? Cause there's no blanket terminology across the business. Shotgun rolls, sights roll inboard. So in my case, the ejection port is down. Um, I've got the fl- the stock on the flat of my shoulder, right, with the sights inboard. I am holding the barrel with my support hand. It, I go to right to the front of the receiver, and I do my reloads with the strong hand, and all I'm doing is making my hands touch. Once I acquire that round, wherever it's coming from, pouch on the belt, wherever, I just make the hands touch, and I load that shell. So we're down at the Shotgun Summit, uh, the Thunder Six Summit. We did Dallas Pistol Club back in September and it was Tom Givens, Steve Fisher, Daryl Bulky, Rob Hot, and myself were teaching. And I had every, I had the first live fire block. So we were going over ready positions and continuing and basically continuity of fire, keeping the gun up and running. So I show strong hand reload, brass up, brass down. And then I go into the violin loading. We're trying to give everybody like, Hey, there's the different ways you can do this. Just everybody's on the same page. Chris Baker at Lucky Gunner does a real good video. Um, what I found funny was while I was the first guy to demo it, it, all the credit went to Fisher, Hot, and Bulky, which is fine because it kind of took the heat off of me initially. And then I started having people asking like, hey, you were teaching there, but you weren't in this video. What are your thoughts about this? Because we weren't taught that way and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, uh, what that what Chris's video missed was that I introduced that concept, not like it was like I came up with it, but I mean, I was just the first guy to demo it and there's some advantages to it. It's not the only way I'd load, but it gives me options. And as Fisher has pointed out, if you're having to move with that gun from one position to another, you can go into violin loading, have the muzzle in a safe direction and do all your reloads on the move really efficiently. So that was the gist of my reply. And what I get is I wasn't taught that that's wrong. That's competition. Like uh, I'm not going to fight you over it, but it it didn't come just from competition. It came from bird hunting and trying to find stuff that works better. I know it's not a word, right? But it works better across the board or it works in conjunction with this other stuff we're doing when we have to do different things with it. So the bigger application is, are any of us going to get stuck with what we were first taught and stay with that strictly? Or are we going to be willing to look at improvements and, and go forward, right? And it's, you know, iron sights versus dots. Well, I can remember when we started throwing dots on carbines in the 90s. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do the other thing. Well, the really cool guys were running dots on carbines in the early 90s. You know, law enforcement was kind of late to the party, but I put my first dot on a carbine 98, 99. Um, Already had lights on the guns by then, but, you know, pistol lights, right? Um, Various shooting platforms and 
the one thing I'll say on that as an example is know what know what the actual technique or method or technology is, not what it's rumored to be. Because what a lot of people bag on Weaver about, they're not they're not picking on the actual Weaver platform and what Jack was trying to put out. You know, the isometric tension, the push pull, they bag on the foot position and the the angle and neither of which are anything that Jack Weaver did. Um, Eastridge actually of all people is a hell of a history source. And Brian really talked hard about, we had a long conversation about this, about how law enforcement ended up bastardizing the Weaver. And it's, there were things in that conversation that like intuitively made sense. And there are things like I had never heard that and I had never thought of it. But when I sat down and looked at it, I'm like, now I totally get that problem. Okay. Now I get how we ended up there. Um, but even as close as I am to the Weaver stance and how, what I was taught, there were things in that conversation I didn't know about how law enforcement buggered that up for everybody else. Now, I will tell you that what I was taught in the academy is not what I got at LAPD in 1991 when I went there for a class, is not what I got at Gunsight in 94, and none of those are how I shoot a pistol now. All right, my stuff's changed, my stuff's evolved, just like what I did as a street cop when I was a baby cop evolved to when I went to community-oriented policing, evolved again when I went to gangs, was different, you know, and I did stuff as an FTO that was different from that. And I did things as a sergeant that were different from all those things. You know, and I, I still go to classes. I just, I was grabbing ammo today for a one-day um, entry tactics class I'm going to take here in about a week plus. You know, and I'm only working part-time in courts, but I'm still trying to stay up on stuff. Anyway, the like distill all of that down, right? Um, take the time to learn what else is out there see the pros and cons of it, see how it applies to your situation. And if it applies, great. If it doesn't, doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just not applicable to you. Okay, cool. But it doesn't mean it's wrong. I, I watched that. Um, I watched that video for the first time. Something happened to your audio. Um, you um, sound like you're through some weird modulator, at least on my end. Well, it's the space aliens coming to probe him. Oh, again? No, not again. It's still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn it. I mean, darn it. It's the result of the, it's the result of the lobotomy you got when you promoted. That was the uh, I got that as lieutenant. The spinectomy happened yeah. as a captain. Spine. Right. That happens. <laughs> now there's nothing. That's yeah. I oh, wait, off. you're back. You're good. Okay. Yes, there you are. My own IT guy. Yeah, the you cool are. thing about that violin is it, to me, is it kind of goes along with you're going around a corner. I can't remember what it's called. You're going around a corner and you bring your shotgun up. And short what stocking? annoys me about it. Yeah, short stocking. And what annoys me about it is that I didn't know about that. We just did an academy firearms class. And I was like, that could have been so cool because yeah, if I'm standing, I'm, I'm holding the door and I'm shooting or I'm holding the door and I want to put a couple more rounds in there, that's where my offhand would come in. But if I'm behind a building after I've let a couple rounds go, man, I can get a whole lot more rounds in there a lot faster that way. So I think it's about the why. We should stop with the no and like with Chuck and the 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 thumb over on the, on the J-frame Magnum stuff and the, the left thumb over the back. 
He gets so much crap over that. I love it. And I was always like, no, I can't do that until Chuck gave me permission to go. Okay, it works. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I love that. I, I love Left Them brilliant. Over. It's wonderful. It works. So, yeah, it's about the why and stop with the no. I don't like it. It's different. Yeah. Just try it. I, I'm a captain. I know how hard it is to, to accept change. I get it. But damn, if it works, it's cool. Absolutely. And that's it's difficult for. Okay, so we are having a nice discussion right now. Have this in print, black and white text. Mm -hmm. The conversation is going to be completely, well, no, it won't be between us, but among strangers, oh, no, I, this is what I learned on YouTube and can't, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. On a forum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and by the way, Fisher says, hi, apparently he's listening or was listening. Oh. Um, I just got a text I, from him. I didn't so. even see him jump in. I would have added I, I, him. Or, or he saw some other conversation I was having that was a, that was a match to what we just discussed. Yeah. And then he texted me based on that. Oh, you so. know what? He probably logged in without registering, so I couldn't see him. So he okay. could be added. He would have been nice to have on here, but no. It's all sitting dirty messages. So, um, yeah, you just got to be willing to grow. You, you got to be willing to look at what else is out there and, and try it and look at it and adapt if it's applicable, right? It may not be. Okay. If it's not applicable, then great. Don't do it but take a look yeah things as simple as vehicle unknown risk vehicle stops yeah. and high risk vehicle stops right no wait 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 there's a difference yes what yes, yes wait there a minute. is is there a difference between law enforcement doing it and military where they have helicopters and it's, many it's, people it's it's almost like you've heard my drunken rants about this okay <laughs> Patrol cops, Wait, you drink? one, maybe two. Well, I, I try not to do a combined combination with the internet. Yeah. Um, one, maybe two, opening a box of chocolates and not really having much idea as to what's in that car. That's very different from you and 15 of your closest friends sitting on the skids of a little bird yeah. with surveillance assets and knowing exactly who's in that car. And where they're going and where to stop them. Yeah. Now, high-risk vehicle stops go well beyond those one or two cops not knowing what they're biting into, right? But it's nowhere up to the other thing. And th there are differences there. And God bless the dudes who got to do that in the military, right? Like at best, I was a support place. I was a support guy in a place a little bit that farther down the food chain. Um, but it, it's it's apples and oranges. Uh, it might quite frankly Absolutely. be apples, apples and carrots. Right. Yes, there's a vehicle involved, and yes, you're stopping it, but that's about where all the simulator. Actually, wouldn't began. it be carrots and oranges because they're both orange, but they're different. Oh, enough. <laughs> okay, great. We can go oranges and carrots just just to make Matt happy, right? Mm. And I'm going to segue for a minute. Yeah. For the love of God, if you disagree with somebody on the internet, tell me why your stuff's good. Don't waste all your ones and zeros telling me how much of an idiot the other guy is. Yes. Tell me why your stuff's good. Tell me why your context matters to me. All right. But I, I mean, we've always had stupidity on the internet. I get it. But I'm seeing, especially in the training world right now, I'm seeing a major tendency 
towards that dude's an idiot. You shouldn't listen to him because he's going to get you killed in the streets versus here's the relevancy of my material. Give me the relevancy of your material. I'll probably go take your class. Well, and in those kinds of discussions, one of the absolute last things I'm going to bring up is me. I'm going to bring up logic. I'm going to bring up results. I'm going to bring up testing. I'm going to bring up all this other stuff. And if I start bringing up, well, I've been a cop for no, no. As a firearms instructor. Exactly. No. Yeah. And the, well, the negative consequence of that kind of crap is like uh four or five years ago, somebody, somebody brought up temple index. Yeah. And I was trying Speed to figure out vehicle what, stops. Yeah. And, and he wasn't doing, you know, Sabrina ready. He was talking about temple index. Yeah. And I, I asked him, I said, so what do you, what do you mean by that? Can you expound on that? Because it's, I, I get where you're coming from a little bit. And I didn't, and he just like stopped I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I ain't doing that. And this is somebody who actually knew what he was talking about. He was like, oh. urch, he just stopped and I didn't get to learn it. So I had to wait to learn it from somebody else because I, I didn't know. And I, I was legitimately asking, but the problem is now you don't get the higher end guys on a lot of forums. It's true. Because, you know, except for one, obviously. It's me. But on the on the higher you don't get the higher end guys on the forums because they don't want to argue with some dipshit. Yep. Yeah. You know, it just it's annoying. It's annoying. Or in addition to the arguing, or what you get is attacked by some other expert with a different background and a different context who decides to go after you for that difference of opinion. And make a scene of it. Yeah. Yeah, actually, we, we we were able to bring Chuck in to do his um, solo response class for our department. And we had 20 some odd of our folks there, almost almost 30 folks there. Which Chuck, Haggard or Presper? Haggard, I'm sorry. Yes, okay. Haggard. Yes, I, I, I've never met Presper, but he's awesome in my book. But yeah, Haggard's actually a, a friend and we've had him down a couple of times down to teach our department stuff. But um, he he actually taught the Temple Index in a way that everybody could get it. And it, at first it was yeah. like, whoa, no, no. And then it was like, how do you argue with that? Yeah. You know, how do you argue with, okay, there's, there's dead and dying kids on the floor. Are you going to, do you want to point a gun at them Yeah. or not? Yep. You can't argue with that. It's impossible. And then he's like, well, so here's what we do. And yeah. there are yeah. four different options. It was great. I come from coming from Gunsight, LAPD um, as a student down there, not as an officer there the low ready was very much pounded into me when I was a baby cop. But once you start realizing that if you do end up on an active killer event, right, especially if it's at a school, you're probably going to be dealing with folks that are down about the height where that muzzle is. And that's not the best call. And if you're not willing to look at temple index or Spalding's arc of ready, or some Mm -hmm. of these other positions, if they're done correctly and within the context that they're designed for, I think you're making a huge mistake. Yep. Yep. I, I love Spalding's Arca Ready. You know, I don't have a problem with a compressed high ready as long as that muzzle stays up. But I see that annoying tendency for that muzzle to go parallel to the ground and start sweeping everybody out in front of you. One's a good yeah, way that to was, do it, that the other's was, not. Make sure I'm not misquoting him. I'm trying to remember exactly who taught me what now. Somebody taught me, he taught us up of some kind. I don't want to get in trouble, Chuck. Don't get on the shit list. I don't remember if it was Temple Index or if it was just an up one. He he high, high Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> high Sabrina ready. He always lets me off the hook when I make a mistake as long as I own up to it. So, so far. 
I may be out of strikes at some point. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and even as simple as, so part of the class that I taught, the two hour classroom firearms thing is we talked about there was, there happens to be a policy, a use of force policy, where if you're pointing a gun, you need to, you need to report it. Yep. Okay. Attached to that gun is probably a weapon light. Maybe we need to do a little bit more emphasis with handhelds and discuss. Yeah. We're, okay. Let's, let's use hand. Let's, let's focus on handhelds. Let's focus yeah. on when are, when are we using our weapon lights? Okay. When is it prudent for us to draw our guns? Yeah. And so we went over all this kind of stuff and just, these are, these are things to consider. Yeah. And, 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 and it's funny because it also kind of applies to internet discussions regularly, but yeah, I was running a low light instructor class last week. And one of the things I do is practical application. I do do a room and room entry, building entry and search during the day. So they're going from the brightest light possible into a diminished light, into a dark hole. And I tell them, you know, bring flashlights, bring your strip down frame, no mags, no slides, no barrels. Right. So it's just, if, if you got a weapons light on it and I don't tell them how to do the entry of the search, but I'll get usually the first batch. I'll let them get in the first room. Okay. Stop. Where's your handheld? Uh, here. Okay. Why are you using the pistol light instead of the handheld light to do your searching? Why are you putting everything with a muzzle behind it? And it's like, Oh yeah. We had this conversation yesterday. We talked about it at length. Right. But I got to let you try it to be able to, fix it it was interesting bringing up the the when is it prudent to bring a bring a, uh, or draw your weapon yeah okay so we find an open door on a business is there a reason to draw your weapon is there an immediate threat can you articulate okay so we found an open door in a school same now just walk around with flashlight hell even flip some switches awesome yeah. okay we're we're responding to there is a felon who's run from us and they are occupying this this building and we are going in yeah well first off why are we going in um but yeah is it prudent to draw your firearm yes or no okay so if it is shouldn't we still be searching with that damn handheld and then i bring up also uh like reactionary stuff mm -hmm. uh if we're searching with the with the with a weapon light the odds are getting startled and, and muzzling is, is great. And the odds of putting your light on it versus bringing your muzzle up is lesser or that the, the, yeah, the odds are hopefully if you've trained that your light's going to go to that startle thing and not your muzzle. But yeah, a lot of stuff people just don't think about and it's sad, yeah. but it's all applicable. Yeah. Just, just have to understand the, yeah. Just have to understand the application. We're using examples like as a foundation for the principle. So what else do you guys have? Actually, I do have a question for you guys. Being the the connoisseurs of firearms, if you guys and I and I think Eric has the Springfield High Point. Have you messed with that at all? Springfield High Point? <laughs> or are you talking the product? Or high power? High power? Excuse me. No, I haven't yet. I haven't seen one in the wild. I keep hoping. No, I'm trying to. I've been trying to get one for two years. I gave up on it. Yeah, I want one to play with. Where is, is, is the company pronounced, it's EAA, Gersan, Gersan. How are they? 
If you just want to get in G I R S A N. I've heard, I've heard they're okay. They do a clone of a high, of a high power, not a high point, but something else. Right. I thought you were talking about an XD for a second there, but okay. Yeah. Well, I thought he was talking about about the prodigy. No, I was was making fun of the prodigy. So, so so speaking of which though, uh, I I really liked, and I had a nice conversation with Brian about that. Speaking of Brian again, who I messaged and he must not be near the internet. Um, Now he's working on belts today. I I talked to him this morning. uh, He's working on belts for Christmas. It's a good thing we don't have to drink when we hear his name said. Yes. (laughs) At least not tonight. You can if you want. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that we discussed was if I had the skill set, if I was trained in the ways of the 2011, 1911 gunsmithy stuff, that would be a cool project. Get one of those and make it run. Now, I'm not saying they're not, but some people have issues. Brian knocked it out in a matter of minutes. Yeah. The conversation we had was... His estimate was less than an hour, less than 200 bucks. Sounds like fun. Fisher was a couple hours. I want to say it was like around 250. And then I, if, and I didn't hear this directly from Joe Chambers, so don't quote me on it, but I think Chambers was up in the, the five, six, $700 realm. To Probably to bring up to what he wants it to do. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hoping to get my hands on one. Um, Warren went away or just covered the screen. I'm not really sure which he died. Yeah. If he covered the screen, I'm worried about what I'm going to hear next, but yeah, I, I, there's possibilities there talking to Brian. Now I've got a staccato. I'm it's been in the gunsmith getting cut for an acro. I'm going to get my paws on it next week. Um, I I really want to see the prodigy and have a chance to work with it. Once the feeding issues that have been reported are addressed on that model. So Brian said something that I thought was very interesting. And it was a quote of someone who is well-versed in the ways of the gun, at least gun industry stuff that staccato is celebrating. So my point with that is I I saw that today. Yeah. And I wanted to comment and I thought, you know what? I don't feel, I I don't need to argue. I'm tired of arguing. I don't, I'm not going to even bring it up. I'll bring it up here though. The people that care about tiers of stuff are not my people. I don't care about tiers. I don't care about what's high tier, low tier. I just want something that works. Yep. So the fact that a staccato is now mid tier, I don't care. I don't care if it was entry level. As long as it's, it's, I have three of them. They've been awesome. I've been very happy with my staccatos. That being said, my chambers is noticeably to me. I'm there's definitely a difference. Though so I'm carrying my cha- I'm carrying my staccato on duty daily. Yeah. It's the the P has been an awesome gun. And I, so one of the things I found since the prodigy came out is I've been making a lot of analogies to early 1911s. Yeah. For me, for my career early. So 1990. That they need a little bit of refinement. Right. Like, so I I had my, went through the hiring process, went through the background, all that stuff. I have the interview, my interview with the elected sheriff that I get hired on. And I think I walk out of this at two in the afternoon. Yeah. I drove straight from the sheriff's office across the highway to a gun store, bought a 1911. Cool. Box stock series 80 blued, you know, in the case for maybe $500, 550. Yeah. They walked it next door to a gunsmith who I'd gone to junior high school with Doug and he built all my work guns until he passed. American Pistol Smiths Guild and everything else. I paid Doug 350 
to make this into a functioning duty gun for me. Yeah. So over half of what the gun cost just to get the reliability package to where it would chamber hollow points, decent sights, and a couple other things, trigger job. Um, and then I went to work with it. That was the norm. Absolutely. There was no Springfield Pro Shop. There was no early Kimber, right? A lot of these, There, I think Wilson, I'm not sure Wilson existed then, but I Novak's did, but Novak wasn't selling you a gun. You were sending him a gun. There was no Nighthawk. So if you wanted a gun, you got a brand new gun or a used gun. You took it to one of these gunsmiths and they made it work and reliable. Yeah. So when the Prodigy came out, I'm like, oh, it's having trouble feeding. Okay. It goes to a gunsmith. Yeah. Just proactively. Versus everyone being used to Glock ready out of the box. Yep. And in my experience, Staccato has done that as well. Staccato cracked the code for making a 1911-ish platform run. Now, I want to know about three years down the road, now that we've got some numbers out there about how well they're holding up and aren't having to go back and see gunsmiths. Uh, and I'm not talking about the really hard use ones. I'm just talking about the average use ones. You mean the ones that stay, that stay in the safe? No, the ones, that are, the ones that are seeing 2,500, 4,000 rounds a yeah. year, right? Something that maybe like goes to a class and goes to quarterly shoots or monthly shoots. Um, I, I'm curious as to what the reliability is long-term with those. But even with that, I would still expect, unlike a Glock or an M&P or some other stuff, that's going to need a little bit of TLC from somebody at some point. At some point, yeah. Yeah, Glock, we, we, we lube it, we wipe it down, we'll swap out a spring or a whatever, done. Yeah. Nothing to it. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating because there's folks out there who I respect, but they treat the manipulations of the 2011 or a 1911 very differently because they grew up, grew up in a Glock era, not a 1911 era where – and I've gotten into some debates with folks about taping down grip safeties, not learn how to use the grip safety, ha safety. have a gunsmith time it, right. Learn how to use the thumb safety. Yeah. Doctrinally correct. Not just take it off because you established a grip on the gun. Yeah. But differences of perspective. Matter of fact, that might be, I, I wouldn't call it a success for me, but the fact that I, I was able to learn that finally, and that, it was a few years ago, but it was, and I say it all the time, it was intimidating going yeah. to a gun with an external safety. What the hell? But I did it in training and now it's, it's normal. And now that's why I'm, I was looking at the Brown and going, huh, let's see how that's, what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, built, with, it's, built, it's built with a thumb rest, right? You got guys yeah. like having the frame cut yeah. to where you have a thumb rest. Here's, here's a gun that comes from the factory yeah. with a thumb rest on it. Well, that guy right there, the Cobra Grip uh, Shadow 2, I, I want to turn that into a single action and have that uh, a cocked and locked yeah. gun as well. Speaking of which, maybe I'll look up the parts for that tonight. I'll uh, maybe work on it this upcoming couple weeks because that's enjoyable. And just like with the Prodigy, to have that skill set, mm -hmm. that's to me just sounds enjoyable just to, to work on guns. It's, it's fun. Hell, just swap it out sites is put on something on, on uh, Netflix and yep. work away. It wasn't, wasn't that fun changing out the M&P trigger the first time for me. Uh, oh, the Apex? Said, yeah. Yeah. First time I did that, it was not fun. But the second time it was good, it was fun. 
but like building with my my daughter and I built an AR for her. Oh, cool! Her first one. We sat down and built it, and forty five minutes later, she had a rifle and yeah, yeah, that's fun. Now gunsmithing, that's hard. So <laughs> anytime you're removing metal, <laughs> yeah, uh, taking apart a CZ down, like removing hammers and safeties and stuff. It's time to break out some some help. Yeah. You know, I went and took Larry Vickers build a 1911 class. Now, a Larry will deny I ever took it, and I can't blame him for that. Because <laughs> if it wouldn't weren't for the guy I shared a table with, that thing would have been an absolute disaster. But that's also what convinced me it was time to start carrying plastic frame guns. Mm. Yeah, I think we all went through the 1911 stage at some point. You had to get that out of your system a little bit. I, I my first, it. my first 20 years on the job, I carried 1911s. It, I, I went to it. I, I had a Wilson combat and I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said the name, the millennium. You probably never heard of it because I, I ruined it for everybody. They sold it for less it was, of a year and then you got one. It was, yeah. I was now, now I got it immediately. I ordered it immediately. Five months later, I got it. If it was 1300 bucks back in uh, 1999 and guess what? <laughs> didn't, didn't go well. Mm. It would just not run at all and i was carrying that on duty i could tell you stories about a polymer frame double stack pistol they came up with in the oos that a cal yep. that a big california swat team bought a bunch of well, not a big california swat team big barrier swat team yep. bought a bunch of took them took them down to gun site took more than they sent people down and they broke every one of them within a few days and ultimately got an admission that yeah you were our beta testers wow well i think that comes down to the, the whole 1911 thing it's it, it's not something you can just bang out of the box it's no. got to be no. it's got to cost money yep it's got to be refined yep. so I, I remember seeing uh lane kritzer run in 1911s and pat rogers pistols cla pistol classes thinking huh there's something to this and seeing uh, how fast he could shoot and his reloads are nice and clean there's something to this. And I just got a message from him. Just now. Oh, how's he doing? I don't know. I haven't heard. I haven't talked to him for a while. No, I know. He kind of disappeared off the radar. I hadn't even like seen many fishing trip photos of him this year. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Oh, anyway, if you talk to him, tell him, give him my regards. Yeah. Lane's good people. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's probably still doing his traveling. Yeah. Well, that's why I figured I would see stuff. But I hadn't seen even seen product stuff from him, let alone the stuff I know he really enjoys doing. Yeah. So. Now what? I don't know. Warren, come up with something. I want to talk about that new Browning some more. That Springfield Browning. I'm probably dying to get one of those. You know, and, and to me, the Browning has always been interesting, and I've never, I have yeah. minimal experience with it. And yeah, but it's Bought not magazines for the damn thing. And I couldn't find one still. I got a holster from uh, Simply Rugged. I got a beautiful blood, uh, what's it, oxblood leather holster to wear at the at the event, and can't find a damn thing. And I'm not paying nine hundred bucks for it. I'm paying seven hundred bucks for it because that's what I was promised by who? By Springfield. Well, let's get Steve Kramer right now. Yeah, call him. I want to talk to him. I want my seven hundred dollar MSRP. All right, hey, I got to step off real quick. I'll be right back. Yeah, he's got a potty. 
Yeah, Steve is the VP of marketing at Springfield. All right, you, I'll give you my address and he can just ship it straight just, to me. Just send I'll, it. I'll, yeah, just send it to me. Send it. So, yeah, with my minimal experience and also the... It, it doesn't seem like they've ever really gotten a lot of attention that just the, the high powers in general, like they Not don't recently. have, well, I, I'm a, I mean, just like on the internet in general, 1911s, you hear about 1911s all the time, 2011s. Sure. Clocks. Absolutely. Everything else behind me, revolvers. Yeah. High powers. Not really. And that was the coolest me, thing in the world in the eighties to me. Yeah. That was the absolute coolest thing, but you could, I mean, you couldn't afford one. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't, like, it, you know, for you can't get them from, was it uh, Nighthawk, I think has. Yeah, but. Well, I don't know if I like it enough to want to spend that kind exactly. of money. Exactly. I want, I, want, I want a toy. I mean, I've got. Exactly. I've got, I mean, guns to me are not just, obviously, I'm talking to you. I don't know what you're guns talking about. Guns to me are not just urban combat, you know. Guns no. are fun. And they're fun. And it's, it's so fun. cool to understand the nuances and to see, okay, why, where does this fit in the whole grand scheme of things? And you see this stuff right here, that's wood. Yeah. That's wood from the eighties. Yes. It How's great? it burn? Uh, they'll never find out. Okay. I'll go with it. I'll burn with it before I let anything happen to that, that three inch, uh, 624, man. I love that thing. I speaking of not so much similar, someone sent me a link that they found. Uh, I don't even know what it's, what, what do you call it? It's a revolver missing the barrel, but model tens missing the barrel for $250. And I thought, Oh yeah. Oh, I want a couple of those. That would be so you know, cool. Are you familiar with, with uh, Pink's? No. Yep. Custom. So you can take, you can take a, a model 10 or whatever. Oh, tens are so cool. And they'll do some cool stuff to them. Well, this, I posted this to Instagram this morning. Uh, model 10 oh. snubby. It's just such a cool, solid revolver. They have my, my dad's four inch 66 right now. And they're doing, they're going to bob the hammer. Give me some cool stocks for it. Make it a three inch. Do the, the, the thing on the side where they make it just flat. And this is, believe it or not, my mother-in-law's Model 10 Yeah, that we got for her years ago. It's a 10-7 for her to have for home defense gun. You know, they're in their 80s now, so they don't really do that anymore. But uh, that one might go next. Yeah. Speaking and of. You can have engraved and all kinds of cool stuff to them. Eric, you missed the part where we were talking about guns aren't all urban combat. Sometimes yeah. it's just fun. Yeah. One of the well, I'm going to be at the revolver roundup, but one of the cool things I have was an old department model 19 3 that I had Dave Laubert back at defense at yeah. defensive accuracy workup for me. Just a neat freaking gun. Um, one of Freddie's guys at Robar. So there's the scout, there's the heavy scout, aka the dragoon. One of Freddie's guys built me a dragoon on a left handed Ruger. So it's I've got a detachable box magazine fed. 375 Ruger dangerous game rifle that's a scout. Mm. Now it doesn't make weight. <laughs> it doesn't make the scout <laughs> weight. But for thumping dangerous critters, it, it's it's an effective cartridge in a, in a much more portable platform. 375 H and H? 375 Ruger. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. 
it was, you know, my old, the stuff I took to Africa was 375 H&H. This was after I got back from the second trip, changed over to 375 Ruger because I went left-handed. I went left-handed. And what I wanted was North American and dangerous game rifles that operated identically. Oh, I mean, so why that caliber versus the other caliber? Um, I think because Ruger had the had the left-handed 270 and the left-handed oh, 375 gotcha. Ruger. Gotcha, gotcha. But they the th- they didn't have a 375 H&H or like looking at the cost of like this going the CZ route was going to be astronomically prohibitive. So what did I do? I took it to a custom gunsmith to have them do a one-off project on because that was so much cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and so how much money did you wind up? How much more money did you spend versus the CZ? I, I can't remember. Your wife doesn't the, listen to these, hopefully. <laughs> no, I, I can't remember what the CZ cost, but I want to say I was on the far side of three for what I paid yeah. Anlo to do it. Yeah. Over and above the gun. That's not that bad. No. That was I mean, $3. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. $300. Just, left, just, no, just $3. Just $3. Left, <laughs> left no McMillan stock, um, Accuracy International, detachable box magazines, two of them. Um. Brand, I think the only thing that survived was the action. Everything else was was new. Yeah. So for, for so, a dangerous game bolt gun, that's not bad at all. No. Yeah, just get a just get a mountain gun. You'll be fine. And it's controlled feed. Oh, cool. It's not push, it's not, not push, push feed, it's controlled yeah. feed. Which if you want to start another nine versus 45 weaver versus isosceles dot versus irons. No. <laughs> but they're cool. Control feed yeah. is so cool. Yep. Mauser. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then that was me grabbing the round and that, that, putting that it was in. Matt yeah. doing a claw. The yeah. This needs to be the the everybody do this for the uh, the thumbnail. Yeah, that's right. I'm not. I'm well, not going to remember that. where exactly where that is. Let's see here. It's, it's no, at um, nine o'clock. It's at three fifty-eight or two yeah. fifty. No, one fifty-eight. That's funny. Well, I think I might have just gotten my text saying. Yep. Looks like I might need to call it a night already. Uh, that was two hours. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Need so what I'm planning for next week. No, not. Is it this week or next week? Okay. So you guys are going to like next week's. We're going to talk about esoteric means of carrying firearms, shoulder holsters, things like that. Know. Yeah. So that's going to have um, that's stupid. It is exactly <laughs> Alex from Shooted Suited Shootist. Uh, I think DB is kind of behind this as well. So yeah, if you guys want to jump on uh, next week, also have uh, the fire episode talking with the survival guys. If you guys haven't listened to survival okay. episodes, those have been fun. The following week. We're going to talk about um, recognizing subject matter experts or what makes us up. I don't know what I'm going to call it. Recognizing them. I don't know. An Instagram page with lots of followers. That's the criteria. That's all, that's all you need. You just need followers. And instantly. I mean, I remember when the old criteria was 50 miles in a briefcase. And a power that? Now you, you, you uh, had to, well, now it'd be a man purse or a messenger bag. Right. But the original criteria for being an expert, E-X-S-P-U-R-T, as Pat spelled it, um, was being from 50 miles away and having a briefcase. Yes, yes. Right. Probably your own miles land. and a PowerPoint. Hearns, I knew Hearns stole that from somewhere. He's not that smart. 
and Steve Fisher is in Lehigh right now, which is oh about 80, 90 miles south of me. Yeah. <laughs> He's down there with Moran. Oh, that would have been fun. And just to go to dinner with those guys would be fun. Yeah. Good group of people. And yeah, over at the farm. Yep. That's a, and my understanding of what, how, the way it has been improved has been good. Cause I, I went through there. What was it? Oh, three. When I went through firearms instructor school through Utah post, and it was a pain in the ass and it's in the middle of nowhere. And I'm glad to see that there's still good training coming out. Good. Going through that, going through those guys. Um, Final thoughts, plugs everything, plug everything you want to, even Enid PD if you want to. Warren? Well, I got now. <laughs> I got going right now. Uh, yeah, Warren Wilson. I'm with uh, Enid Police Department in Oklahoma. I write for Police One and a few other little, little things here and there, and I'm a firearms instructor. If uh, your department doesn't treat you well, like say you're in Colorado where you no longer have qualified immunity, you want to come somewhere where people will bring you pizza and food what and you actually can eat it without worry enid oklahoma is a great little town and we're paying 50 to seventy thousand dollars for a place that has very low cost of living so come see us at enid.org careers and i appreciate being here with you guys it's so much fun every time we do this it's, a, it's an absolute giggle yep even with eric here even with well, air care, should we take a drink? Thank you, Warren. <laughs> yes. Where can people find you, though? Well, you can go to uh, Police One, Warren Wilson. Google, Google that. Hey, you won't hire me. Bite me. I, I've <laughs> offered to let you write for me. I haven't seen I don't recall that conversation. I'll gig you here in a minute. I got an idea for an article. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> primary and secondary also. I, I'm you still waiting pay. for Haggard to write for me too. I do pay. He pays. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. I still owe you an, art, an article though too, Matt. Yeah, Matt. I don't even have a hat from PNS. Okay. <laughs> I, I have this one. <laughs> That's not PNS. <laughs> so I'm doing some stuff for Police One. I work for a lady that there that is abs Nancy Perry. She's an absolute wonderful lady. She uh, comes from a different background than law enforcement, but she, her heart is totally in it. She's totally behind us. Um, we, you know, they get a little. They get a little. The organization, the magazine itself, gets a little bit of trouble here and there for uh, some of the stuff they post. But as far as content that's made by <laughs> wonderful folks like myself, it's there, and uh, we, we get all the support in the world for it. So, um, yeah, it's a thing. But what are you going to do? Now I just got hired by Gilhouse, so not yet. Him an article yeah. right now. Yeah, you saw it live. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on YouTube. You can't stop it now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you write, we will we'll print and we'll even pay you. Holy crap. I'm excited now. <laughs> but really, guys, I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a oh, real yeah. fun time. Eric? So, Eric, I'm the editor over at AmericanCop.com. Uh, it's part of the Firearms Media Group, so American Handgunner, Guns, Shooting Industry. Um, it's I just got the online side of it. That's one of the gigs. Uh, my teaching company is Cougar Mountain Solutions. It's a terrain feature, has nothing to do with anything else. That was an interesting <laughs> choice of names on my part. You can find me on the book so of there faces. Are, there are older women that are part of this? Dude, I wish. Um, <laughs> I said the D word. Never mind. Um, 
Cougar Mountain Solutions. You can find me on the grams at Cougar underscore Mountain underscore Solutions. I'm on the Book of Faces. The website is CougarMountainSolutions.com slash blog. I do classes for both decent, normal human beings and the police. Uh, just did a low light instructor class down in Southern California for folks from about I want to say eight different agencies, including a, the largest sheriff's office in the United States. Three of their tactics and survival guys were there. Um, and I'm getting ready to put together next year's schedule. I have absolutely no problem traveling when I'm not at gun site. So cool. Big thanks to the panel for actually showing up. No one else did. Just all two of us. All two of you. <laughs> but as per the norm, the conversation is delightful and it's, it's it's lighthearted and witty. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, big thanks to the Patreon subscribers. Without your support, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of this stuff on a regular basis. Um, Patreon is covering a lot of the bills. Um, as a matter of fact, it's fun because at the end of the year, I get these big, big bills covering all this hosting and all that. So Patreon support really helps with that. If you want to help support the network, go to patreon.com slash primary and secondary. There are various tiers and there are benefits with each of these tiers. Um, the lowest tier provides discord access and that's at a dollar a month. Only $1 for the a cup of coffee costs more than that. And then also you can feed someone who's living in my house. Um, <laughs> $5 gives you access to the live shows. Uh, a lot of times if I have, if I have sufficient lead time, I can put, push those out to the network support level people. There are also discounts as well as uh, discord. Also big thank you to our episode sponsors. Big thank you to big techs ordinance overwatch precision just joined us. Uh, they're doing MP5 mags. They're doing all kinds of triggers. They're doing whole weapon packages. As a matter of fact, my Glock 34 up there was an Overwatch Precision Ethos package. They had a, uh, they recently re released uh, an AR-15. Has kind of the stuff that people want. So, and they're also good people. I've been friends with, with Overwatch for a while. Um, also, uh, Filster. Always, always friends. Uh, primary arms. And lastly, those Walther guys I've been recently talking to as well. So big thanks to them. Um, what else do I have? One of my favorite things to say, and I try to say it at the end, sometimes at the beginning of every episode, make sure you're supporting those sources that you have found to be beneficial. There's a difference between entertainment and there's a difference between education. We try to focus a little bit more on the education side. We try to stay more factual. We try to stay more grounded, uh, less fantasy going on. Um, the fantasy, the entertainment, all that, it's, it is a lot of fun. It's enjoyable. It's important also to recognize, though, that the educational aspects are also important. So if you haven't already, it's time to give this video a like. Because if, you're, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on whatever um, service is provided, Feedback's always appreciated as well. Uh, make sure it is five stars because this, this whole program is five stars. If you have any, if you have any suggestions, any ideas, anything for an upcoming podcast, feel free to email me at matt at primarysecondary.com. Always interested to hear feedback or input. Um, and if you have some, some suggestions right now, we have a, a couple weeks uh, planned out. Wouldn't hurt to have more especially with the holidays bearing very quickly. 
let's see here. We're, uh, we're on the, we just uh, left Halloween. We're on the cusp of Thanksgiving in just a couple, couple weeks. Okay. It's not that close, but it feels that way. The way this year's gone by, we're going to be, it's going to be 2025 in no time. Um, so yeah, having, having some plans a little ahead of time is a good thing. You can find us at primarysecondary.com. I I've been writing articles on occasion. Um, a lot of it starts with a Facebook post and then I determine, you know what, I'm going to expand on that and turn it into an article. If you want to write for us also reach out to me at Matt at primaryandsecondary.com. We do have a forum. We have 736 different Facebook groups. It's all primary and secondary. It is all for your use. It is all for free. So let me know if there's anything you guys need because it's kind of cool to be helpful. That's all. I guess I will talk to you guys well, probably next week. <laughs>